You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Uh, Good morning and uh, welcome to Red Sea. Uh, We are... uh, celebrating the Advent season together as a church in a series uh, called Advent Conspiracy. And it's actually much more than a series. It's a, 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 a gathering of churches all over the world who are trying to refocus our, our heart's attention on the true meaning of, of Christmas. And, and uh, we're challenging some of those idols of consumerism that have crept up in our culture and, and trying to get back to what Christmas is truly all about. And we're doing that through the reading of the Word, through remembering the story uh, remembering uh, how Jesus came to bring peace uh, to us who are, who are in conflict with God and having experienced that peace from God, God coming and changing us, uh, we now are his representatives to the world and we represent him through giving and through, through serving. And so uh, we, have, we have joined with a lot of other churches this year, uh, thousands and thousands of churches, to, uh, to try to uh, give. That's, that's truly what God did as he came, he gave of himself and and we uh, have received that, and now we are givers. We are generous also. And so we've, we've come up with some real tangible ways of, of how to do that. Um, uh, one of those is, like you saw in the video, instead of going out and spending all of our money on gifts, uh, we still want to be able to give gifts. So what do we do? So we wanted to provide an opportunity to make gifts as, as a church. Uh, so that opportunity is actually coming up this Tuesday night uh, every year. Uh, we get a couple of our, our really crafty people in our church to come up with some great gift ideas. And then we provide you guys with the supplies and the uh, space to do this at. So this Tuesday night from 5 to 9, uh, any time between there, it's not four hours, uh, but we'll be open during that time. And we'd encourage you to come over to the Hub, uh, which is our brown building across the street here. And uh, we're going to be making uh, these amazing craft gifts. If, if you guys saw the, the slide earlier uh, one of them was some, uh, some wooden spoons that we're going to be engraving and etching and, and burning uh, these designs into. Uh, so just real, really creative stuff, uh, using some driftwood uh, to make some uh, really, really great picture frames and, and stuff like that. So this, this, uh, this Tuesday night, you're welcome to bring the kids if you'd like to. Uh, we have a, a separate room over in the hub that we're going we're gonna to probably put a movie on for the kids and let them hang out in there, and, and they're welcome to do some, some crafts along with us. So, so that's our opportunity to make gifts. We're doing that, and then we're saying, hey, now you have this money that we would, you would have otherwise spent on that present that you just made. Instead of the gift card, instead of the sweater, let's make a gift. Let's then take that money, and let's reorient it toward God's purposes. And every year as a church, we come up with a couple of suggestions of how to do that. And, uh, and this year we've teamed up with Africa New Life, which is uh, an amazing organization that is, uh, that is helping uh, children of Africa receive an education. They're also sharing the gospel with them and, and meeting their physical needs of food and shelter. Uh, we have said, hey, what's something, a real tangible way we could help that organization? And we talk with Africa New Life, and, and, the, and, and Joanne, we're blessed to have her as a part of the church, and she works with Africa New Life. And, and they said, hey, if you want to buy goats and chickens, a, a goat or a chicken for a family, can make an amazing difference. And so on your way out of the doors to the left, you'll notice that there's a little table there. And when you purchase a goat or a chicken, uh, you can do it online. Let Joanne know, and she's going to stick a goat or a chicken up on the board there. A little, and, uh, and so we can see that, that we're doing this. So we were really excited to be able to do this with our kids this past week, to save up our money and go and buy, buy um, an animal together as a family. 
and, and support that cause. So if you're looking for a creative way to do that, uh, it's something that you can do with your kids, that you can explain to them the purpose of it. You can go on the website, and they can see pictures of the kids that are affected uh, by this. So that's one opportunity. And then locally, uh, uh, Heather Higginson. Uh, where's Heather at? Right here is Heather. Heather is the um, manager, director, manager, manager of the uh, Emanuel Housing Center, Center uh, which, uh, which is a, uh, a shelter uh, for women and children uh, located in Kenton. Uh, that they, uh, they work uh, with DHS to, to provide shelter for, for uh, moms and kids as they're going through this program. And uh, they have this uh, office trailer that, that Heather offices out of that also has a community room in it. It's kind of a, a common room for the families to hang out. Uh, and, and the room needs a little love. It's a little, it's a little drab. It's got a couple of tables and chairs in there. So we've taken on the project of providing a kid's corner in that room uh, kind of like what you would see if you go to the doctor's office and you're waiting and the kids have a place to play. So we want to put in a kid's tables and chairs and a rug and bookshelves and toys and Legos and, and things that the kids can play with while the moms are either checking in uh, to the program or the families can just come and, and hang out. And the cool thing is we're starting with the children's corner and, uh, um, and, and working on providing that space. But as more money comes in, we'd love to move in to maybe provide a living room space for the families, get some couches, make it really warm and welcoming uh, for these moms to hang out. So today is we're going to be taking up our offering for that. It's our, our Advent Conspiracy offering. So what you'll see is at the end of the service, when we pass our normal offering, You'll see the buckets come by, and that'll be our our general offering time. And then the ushers are going to pass the buckets a second time. And that second time will be our Advent Conspiracy offering. And Nathan, when he's leading uh, worship later, will kind of walk us through that so we make sure that we're giving to the, to the right thing. So on your, if you're going to do a check today, I would just ask that on either one, just write in the memo, is it for offering or is it for Advent Conspiracy? Because we want to make sure that we stay true to directing those funds uh, to where you guys uh, give. So I just want to encourage you guys to, to give as an, an experience of, of what you've received from God to be, to be generous uh, back, back to God. So what you saw in the video is there's, there's four tenets to Advent Conspiracy. Worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all. And two weeks ago, uh, two Sundays ago, we kicked off with, with uh, worship fully, and we looked at the, the proclamation that the angels made to the shepherds that, that uh, the Messiah had come, peace on earth. And uh, we walked through what that meant to be at peace with God and how Jesus provided that and kind of reoriented our minds back to what Christmas is. Last week, we then challenged the, the idol of Christmas, consumerism. We looked at our spending habits and what the, what the, the gospel says about spending, what Jesus said about spending. And, uh, and this week, we're going to be talking about give more and, and what exactly God has given to us so uh, before we do that, I want us to uh, open up the, our Bibles to Matthew and uh, Matthew 1. And we're going to have a, a word of prayer here uh, before we jump in and start studying the Word. So uh, join with me as we pray. Uh, Father, uh, we come before you in, uh, in the middle of a very, a very hectic season um, that's uh, often uh, filled with stress, um, of having to, to attend uh, a lot of different things and, and having to, to cook a lot of different food and having to have our house right and having to get gifts and, and make gifts. And, and uh, there's just a lot going on, Father. And, and uh, so we come before you just wanting uh, to slow down uh, and to rest and to be filled up by you and, and by your word. Uh, Father, we, um, we tend to drift away from you, not toward you. 
And uh, so, Father, may, may this be a time uh, where, you, where you pursue after us in your word as we've drifted away. And, and we turn and we, and we look back and we set our eyes and our hearts and our, our affections on you once again. And we ask that, that you speak to us through, uh, through your word, uh, through you being revealed as we, as we look at Emmanuel, uh, God, with us. As we look at you being here and you coming here. You not being a God that's, that's off distant but you are close and you are near and you desire to be in relationship with us. Uh, may our hearts fill that today as we experience your grace and the, the reading of your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 1, and this is picking up uh, pretty much where we left the Road to Emmaus series off. If you guys remember, the last message that we did at the end of our Old Testament series was that genealogy of, uh, of Jesus Christ, where, where Matthew walked through this genealogy from Abraham all the way down to, to Jesus actually coming to this earth. Well, then Matthew's going to continue that thought once again with talking about the birth of, of Jesus. And we pick up our story there in Matthew 1. And uh, in verse 18, and, and if you're able to, I would invite you to stand as we read the word. It's up here on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child with the Holy, from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You can have a seat. So Matthew, being the the author here of this story, he's going to try to make a a really, really clear point here. After after walking through that genealogy of proving that Jesus was the son of Abraham and the the son of David, he was the the promised fulfillment throughout the entire Old Testament, he's going to jump right into the narrative here of of what happened in in Jesus' birth. And he's first going to talk about about what happened to Joseph. So, So we know when we read the Gospel of Mark, or, or uh, we read the Gospel of Luke, we know that uh, an angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive. This was before she was, she was pregnant. Uh, an angel came to her and said, you're going to conceive a son. It's going to be from the Holy Spirit. You shall call his name, his name Jesus. And, uh, and there's this dialogue that we read about. Well, we also see in this part of our story that an angel also comes to Joseph. And, and, and talks to Joseph and tells him that Mary is, going, is pregnant and she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So we can see in the story here that, that, that Mary and Joseph were betrothed, meaning that they are planning on getting married. They've, in, the, in the Jewish culture, they've basically started the marriage process. You know, that they, they are planned on, on, being, on being married. So it's almost like it's the first step in the marriage process. So even once a betrothal had begun, if a husband changed his mind, he would also have to go through a formal process of, of undoing that, betroth- that betrothal. And, and uh, they refer to it as divorce here. And it says, before they had came together, so before uh, they had, had gotten married, before they had had sexual intercourse together to conceive a child, 
um, Mary got pregnant. So this puts Joseph in a pretty awkward situation, if, if you can imagine. He's betrothed to, to Mary to, to consummate this marriage with, with a, a sexual union. And all of a sudden, his virgin wife gets pregnant. Can you imagine the, the, the tension there that, that's building in the story here? It's like, oh man, what do I do? You know, and so it says, it's really interesting, it says that Joseph was a just man uh, and, and was unwilling to put her to shame. So according to the law, Joseph had every right to have Mary killed. That was according to, to Jewish law. If a, a woman who was betrothed had sex outside of marriage, it was a penalty punishable by death. But it says that he's just, so he has a form of justice in, in his mind, right? He doesn't want to see Mary killed, but it says that he resolves um, to divorce her quietly. But as he's considering all these things, an angel of the Lord appears to him, says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And then it goes on to explain that it's the Holy Spirit that's come and that's conceived in, in, in Mary's womb. So in our, in our message today, as, as we talk about, about God, as we talk about Him being with us, I want you guys to, to get this idea. If, if nothing else, if, if you're going to check out, uh, I want you to hear this. This would be the, the point of the message. Do you believe that God is truly with you? Because if you do, it's going to radically change the way that you live your life. That's going to be the point of today's message is do we believe that God is really with us? Because throughout your life and, and, and talking to, to Christians here and even, even for those of you who are not Christians, God as a, as a sovereign being, as the creator, the sustainer of all life that's existed beyond time and space, he is orchestrating all things for his purposes. Whether you're a believer or not, we believe that to be truth, that God is, is in control of all things. And, and he, is, he is moving the, the chess pieces of life life around to line up. God is in control. He is sovereign. Not that he's playing a game. That's a bad analogy. But he, he is in control. The problem is when life doesn't happen the way that we thought it would, we have this tendency to step in and try to take the reins from God and say, okay, I got this from here. It's not working out like I thought it would, so I'm going to intervene into the plan and take control myself. And throughout your life, you are going to be faced with that, 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 that issue of control and power. Are you going to be in control of your life? Or are you going to submit to God? And allow him to be the one that, that leads and controls. When, when life doesn't happen like you planned that it would, what do you do in those moments? How do you, how do you trust God? What do you turn to to, to find security in life when things aren't working out like you thought it would? A lot of times when, when, when things don't work out like we thought they would, fear sets in. And we're motivated by fear. And fear becomes the driving force. And, am I going to, to make enough money? Am I, am I going to, is this relationship going to work? You know, I got married and, and, you know, the first couple of years was great, but now it's kind of not the way I thought it would. What am I going to allow to happen in those times in my life? Am I going to trust in God and his sovereignty? Or am I going to take matters into my, into my own 
into my own hands. This is a choice that we see throughout the scriptures of God's people having to make. Are they going to trust him? And we look at it here in the narrative of of Joseph is going to have to make that choice. Because trust me, Joseph did not plan on having a pregnant virgin wife during his betrothal process. That was not part of Joseph's five-year plan, right? We're going to get married and get a house and and then start having kids. God God intervened, right? God said, no, I'm doing something here. And Joseph is, is hit with that reality of saying, do I trust God? Do I trust God in this moment that he's sovereign and that he has a plan and that he's in control? Matthew wants us to wrestle with that truth today. Is God in control? Matthew says that throughout his gospel. He continues to talk about God being with his people, God being in control. If you flip to the very end of Matthew and read the last thing that Matthew recorded Jesus saying, it's, Jesus, at his ascension, he says, and I am with you always to the end of this age. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God is with us and that God is in control? Are we going to allow fear to come in and to to grasp us and to take control? So what Matthew does is after Joseph receives this, uh, this proclamation from the angel that, that Mary is going to, to have a child, don't fear, uh, trust that God is doing something, he's going to bear a son, his name, shall, his name shall be Jesus, which means Savior, right? God coming to save his people through Jesus Christ. And then in verse 22, Matthew is going to then make this connection between what a prophet had said 500 years before to what's happening right there. He says in 22, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then he quotes the prophet Isaiah, which is going to be in Isaiah 714. So Isaiah, if you can flip over there, if not, it's up in the screen. Isaiah 714. So like I said, 500 years earlier, God had come to one of his prophets. They were his messengers, the people that he had raised up, to, that he would speak through to his, to his uh, people, the Jews. So God had raised up this guy, Isaiah, and God had asked Isaiah, this is 500 years previous to Jesus coming, he had said, Isaiah, I want you to go and I want you to talk to King Ahaz. Because King Ahaz was the king of Judah at that time. Historically, the kingdoms have separated. Ahaz is of the line of David, and he is ruling over the kingdom of Judah, uh, over uh, God's chosen people, the, the heir the, 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 from David that we had talked about. So this is where we're at in the story. So God sends Isaiah to talk to Ahaz, and he tells Ahaz, I'm going to start in verse 4. He says, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps. So he's going to talk about the fact that right now, historically, what's about to happen is the kingdom of Israel is about to be invaded by first the, the Assyrian Empire and then the Babylonian Empire. And you guys remember, we, just, we talked through the Old Testament this past year. We did an overview. You remember teaching through those, those two kingdoms coming in and taking over. So this is where we're at in the story. So, so Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, Ahaz, don't fear. Don't fear that these kingdoms are coming in because God has something that he is doing. He has a plan that he's working out. Just like he told Joseph, don't fear. God is in control. And so God tells Ahaz, you know what? If you don't trust me, ask. Ask of a sign. Ask of, of anything you want, and I can show you that I'm in control. And Ahaz says, well, no, I, I would not put my Lord God to the test. So he knows Deuteronomy, right? He's read the scriptures. He doesn't want to put God to the test. And God says, fine, I'll come up with my own sign so that you will know I'm in control. And he says in verse 14, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means 
God with us. So 500 years before Jesus came, God told his people that he was going to send himself, he was going to send a sign of him being with his people through a virgin being born, a virgin having a child. Now that didn't happen in in the life of Ahaz, right? We know that he wasn't talking about someone right then. He was talking about something that would happen in 500 years, something that would happen happen to Mary. So when God came to Ahaz and told him not to fear, that he was going to send his son, we know historically that Ahaz doesn't trust God. Instead, what Ahaz does is he goes into the temple, he takes all the gold out of the temple, and he pays off the Assyrians to to not invade the Jewish empire. Although that was part of God's plan for them to come in and take over. He pays them off. Ahaz doesn't trust God. He doesn't believe the sign. He takes matters into his own hands. That's the passage that Matthew references when he's talking about Jesus coming. Because we have a a fulfillment of this happening all over again. We have Joseph having this challenge in his life where he has to trust God. That God is in control. And we see a proper response of Joseph. Joseph says, okay, God, I trust you. I won't divorce my wife. I believe that you're in control. I I don't understand it. I don't know how this is happening. I don't know why this is happening exactly, but I do trust you. Those are our two examples that Matthew is going to point to of what faith looks like. So we go back to that point of our message. Do we believe that God is with us? I went this past week and I began to study through the Old Testament at some of the, the times when God said he would be with, uh, with his people. And I just want you guys to listen uh, to some of these and, and to remember the story as we walk through it over this past year. When God was with Abraham in Genesis 21 through Abimelech, uh, uh, God said to Abraham, this is what Abraham was talking when he was, when Abimelech was talking about God, he said, God is with you in all that you do. And we know that he was. Remember the journey that God went on with Abraham to bring him to the promised land and all the challenges that came along with that. The sacrificing or or the challenge of having to sacrifice his son Isaac and and God coming in and and testing his faith. You guys remember those stories. God with Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3.12. God says, but I will be with you and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. God with his people in the wilderness after they had, they had gone into these 40 years of wandering in Deuteronomy 2. God, this is what the scripture says. He knows you're going through this great wilderness, these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. I provided water. Your shoes did not wear out on your feet. I provided manna for you. I am with you. God with Joshua as he faces the challenge of entering into the promised land in Joshua 1.5. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. God with his people when, they're, when, uh, when David's writing the Psalms in Psalm 64. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then God with his people in exile, which is where we picked up in the Isaiah passage in Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then God with Joseph and with Mary. Right? You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the the truth of Christmas. 
that God is now with us, that the eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, infinitely holy Son of God took on human flesh and dwelt with his people. That's an amazing truth that will radically change the way that we live our lives if we trust that God is actually with us. Not that he just came and, and, and then left, He is still with us today through his spirit. He is still actively involved in our our lives. Throughout Throughout the Old Testament, we saw that God always desired to be with his people. He he dwelt with them in the tent when they were in the wanderings. He dwelt with them in the tabernacle when they built the temple. And then God Himself incarnated into this world. Incarnate means to, to wrap to wrap in flesh. That God himself came to this earth wrapping himself in flesh and came as a babe in this town called Bethlehem to Mary and to Joseph. And he lived this amazing life for 33 years of of generosity and of love and of healings and of, of teaching about salvation. And then he died. He was, he, was a, he was wrapped in flesh and blood so that he could be a true sacrifice to pay the atonement for our sins. That's what we celebrate this year when we come and we look at the manger and we see the baby. We see a sacrifice. We see God desiring to be with us, to come and to dwell with his people. John says that God literally pitched his tent. He set up camp in your life. He moved in and he dwelt with you, and he continues to do that today. So if that's, if that's the, the truth of God's word coming into our life, if, if, if we read the scriptures and that's the, that's the indicative, we see what God has done, there's always an imperative of scripture. There's always something that God is now calling us to do. If, if who God is and what he has done is, is incarnating and living and dying, then there's now this flip side of the equation of who we are and what should we do in light of that as his people. And that's where where generosity comes in and giving comes in. And us actually, as his children today, we now are called to incarnate like he did. We are called to to move in to our community and to our neighborhood and to one another's lives and to, to live with one another, to be with one another. There's some amazing implications that come out of just how we see God presenting himself. So biblical theology is looking at the scriptures and seeing what God has done over the, the, the spectrum of his story. And we see, man, God came and he dwelt. He dwelt. He was with Adam and Eve in the garden. He walked with them intimately. He talked with them. And he was in a relationship with them. He, he revealed himself in miraculous ways throughout the Old Testament. And he dwelt with his people in some type of physical manifestation in the, in the, in the tent and in the tabernacle. And then he came and he, and he pitched his tent among his people. And he actually lived on this earth for 33 years. And he walked in this intimate relationship with his people. He didn't just, God didn't come and Jesus wasn't raised as a king on this earth that sat on a throne and dictated to everyone else what should be done. He came and he actually lived with the creation. 
And he lived with those who were broken and who were hurting and who were diseased and who were social outcasts. He surrounded himself with these people. And he chose the people that weren't educated. He chose the people that, that, that ha- didn't have the, the accomplishments that we, would, that we would look to in culture to be our leaders. And he called them his disciples and he brought them close. And he had meals with them. And he, and he lived in this amazing, beautiful relationship that you can read about in the Gospels with these people. And then he left and he called us to continue that process of disciple making. Right? And then we have the epistles and we see the first church being in this beautiful, intimate relationship with one another, sharing their possessions with anyone that was in need. And we read the letters of Paul and we see him once again calling people to relationship with one another, challenging one another in their sin. Loving one another, giving to one another, giving to the community as a representative of God. That is what has been modeled for us in the scriptures. So there should be some huge implications for how you live your life today. So what I want us to do is I want us to have a little group participation time. So I'm going have to have to get you guys to wake up here. The talking head is done. If that is what God has done, and if you can pull up our, our graphic, our discipleship uh, model pathways, if, if God has come to us and, and he's called us to make disciples, and then as a church we have said, this is what we believe that process looks like from God, from the gospel. We receive these identities. We're, we're servants to God the way that we relate to God, the way that we draw it into him. Our, we're family with one another. That's how we relate with one another. And then we're ambassadors to the world. That's how we relate with our neighbors and our coworkers and when we're on mission and when we're serving. There's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing that. And as a church, we have not said, you have to do it this way. We've just said, hey, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to be a disciple. It's up to you to choose how you're going to live that out. But I want to I I um, encourage you guys in this. How did God do that? He did it relationally. He did it intimately. He did it with us. So then how are we to do it? It's probably going to be pretty relationally driven, isn't it? If that's what God modeled, we can trust that that's how he is now calling us to live this out. So what I want to ask you guys, what would that look like? And just kind of throw out some ideas as you think about being a servant with God. How would that look relationally? Just start with that first identity of servant. What would that look like? To be in relationship with God, how, how, would, how would that look in your life? Like when you think about the Bible, what would that, what would that look like when it, when it comes to, to God's word? It's talking to God. What do you think? Spend a lot of time reading the Bible and yeah. thinking about how it applies to the people that you're into and how it can apply to you. Time is going to be a huge part of that equation. Is, is what, are you, what are you doing with your time with God? In my relationship with my wife, if we don't spend time together, the relationship will suffer, right? If, if I neglect her, 
to, to do all of these other things. My, my relationship with God, it's, it's got to be one that involves time of, of being in, a, in his word, right? Of, of talking to him and hearing from him. What else would it look like? Go ahead, Julian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When fear starts to come in, you know, when life is happening and, and God, I, I don't know what to do. Where do I turn? I have to turn to his word, right? It's good. Yeah, and when I see what God has done, it, it, it woos me to want to be in that relationship. When I, when I see, when I receive that grace from him, man, I'm like, man, I want to be in relationship with my God. Could rewrite the book of Psalms, you know, as this amazing testament to who God is. Uh, Christy did a, a really cool thing this past year. She rewrote the book of Psalms and, uh, and her experiences and her trust in God. And it's a, it's a blog that's available, right? E-blogger? Yeah. So, yeah, you should check that out. It's really cool stuff. What about worship? What would worship look like? Not just in the singing form. What would intimate, intimacy and worship, how does that work? Money. Money is a form of worship. What would that look like? Yeah. Yeah. God, what do you want me to do with your money? I mean, that's what we talked about last week. God, you've blessed. What do you want me to do with this? That's, that's what worship is for God. What about family? Oh, you have another one, Doug? Good stuff.
Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. Thanks, man. stuff. Thanks, Julie. Sarah? Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. How about family? When we think about um, God has, has called us to develop into community, to, to be together, that's, that's a part of his plan. If, if he modeled with his disciples a, a very close relationship while he was on this earth, how then do we live together? What does that look like? This may be super obvious, but I think it's important to hit. Yeah, and like you said at the beginning, it's, it's hard. It's re- it is really hard doing that. That's why peacemaking is one of our pathways, that we have to learn to be peacemakers because we believe God's called us together, but we're also really sinful. So put a bunch of sinful people together, and, and it's hard. It's hard being in community together. So we have to have this common 
purpose that we believe God is, is calling us together and modeling that for us to be in community. Living, trying to live out God's mission in isolation, is, we've never seen that in the scriptures. You know, God's never, God himself doesn't even exist in isolation. He exists in, in a trinity of relationships. So then when, we, when we're challenged with that, we're like, wow, you know, I, I, it's easier to be isolated. And, and um, me and Jim were talking the other day of, uh, we are, uh, especially the, the guys in this church, he, he, said, he said, I think you're one of the most extroverted guys in this church. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, he was like, we have, we have a lot of inter- introverts in this church. And I was like, we do have a lot of introverts in this church. It's hard for introverts to be together, isn't it? Like, that's not natural for you to like, ooh, I want to go hang out with somebody, you know? Yeah, and I'm not that extroverted, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so it, it's hard. Like, it pushes against our, these natural tendencies that we have. So we have to say, okay, God, I believe this is what I'm seeing from you. So it's my, my, my driving force in, in doing that. Anybody else on, on, on family? Mike? Sure. What, like, practically, can you think of something that would look like? Financial burdens, yeah. 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 It's a two, when it comes to uh, meeting needs, it's twofold. It's the person that has the need not trying to fulfill it themselves. Right? It's, I have to do this myself. I can't let anybody know that I don't have it, you know, that everything's not working out. They have to, you have to be honest about the needs that are in your life. That's part of community. And to allow people to be able to step in and, and, and fulfill those needs. So it requires both parties of that coming together and, and, and sharing, sharing a need and sharing the ability to, uh, to meet that need. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Get past yourself, yeah. Get over yourself. Let someone help you. (laughs) Yep. That's great. I'll just say uh, uh, what I say super obvious when it comes to celebrating. You know, we've got to be in proximity to one another. 
A party of one is not very fun. You know, like we need to be, we need to be spending time, tangible amounts of time together in, in, in community. Jesus spent a lot of time with those disciples. I mean, he really did. And the, the best conversations happened around a dinner table, you know, in, in someone's home. I mean, that's, that's, that's where the disciple making was done. Uh, being together, and, and so that's a, uh, a challenge for us that we have to, we have to wrestle with and, and trust God and not fear and not isolate, not try to do it ourselves, but be with one another. What about ambassadors? When we look at our relationship with the world, how God modeled accomplishing that, that, how, what, is that what does that mean for us? Sure. It's huge. Yeah, that, that, is, that is done best in relationship. You know, you have to, you have to be invested in one another's lives to, to, uh, to make those challenges and then to be able to receive that. You got to know the pre- people care about you when they come and they challenge this idol in your life that you have. Yeah, Paul's proximity for sure, being close to one another. How about ambassadors? What comes to mind when you think about think about the great, the great um, um, commission, I think it was confession, to, to go into the world, right? To make disciples of all nations. Uh, Macker, can I put you on the spot? Because you're one of these guys that I, I really respected the way that you you live out the your circle of friends that you surround yourself with uh, has always been been really really cool to to see that more than you know I think what a lot of us are ever able to get to. So what kind of how how do you live that out? Like when you think of being an ambassador.
and then not realizing that God is in control and he's the one that draws people to himself, that there's not some magic potion or some magic twisted stuff you can shake on one of your friends, mm-hmm. that you would come to Christ. And um, um, being faithful in that, walking in that, and you know, getting to know your neighbors is stuff that Nathan does in this report. Mm-hmm. Getting to know people around you that you meet every day showing that Christ's love comes through the right thing and walking in a way that is representative of Christ because I think we follow up. If we're not good people, why would they? <laughs> I mean, not that I'm perfect, for sure I'm not, but sure. if they don't see a good person, there, there's no way our message is going to be a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. You know, yeah, I it takes a long time. Yeah. best friends in the world that I just, their goodness isn't going to get them to Christ. Yeah. Know? And that's a tough line to walk of. How do I relay God's truth to them without slamming the door in their face or, you know, sh- you know shaking the Bible in their face? Because that doesn't work either. You, you just have to be faithful. You just have to believe that God is going to really yeah. the power of the Spirit provide a way for you in those situations. Yeah. And those are friends. Family is even more, is obviously is even trickier than family. Sure. Than that, but like that too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, the, the evangelism is not relational, you know? I mean, it, it, it's not. It, it, it requires time invested in, in people's lives, and they have to see the way that you live. And Macker's in our prayer times, has said, hey, I've got these friends. I've known them for years, you know, seven, eight years or longer than that. Some everybody's, you know, decade. Uh, and, and he's waiting for God to, to, to uh, do the work that he needs to do in his life, the relationships there, the, some conversations are happening here and there. He's like, okay, God, you know, I'm, I'm ready. It just takes a long time, and you have to be, be, be patient, but love those people and, and, and be, in, be relational. In, incarnate, to become a part of, you know, to, to go in and, and, and dwell with is, is really challenging. When you think about your neighbors, you know, you're like, I just want to just shut my door. And can I just live in my little house? But, but God came and, and he dwelt among to, to live together in relationship. And the only way I know how to do that is to trust that God is with me, you know, because I'm like, that's hard. Like, that's hard thinking about doing that. But do I, once again, this is that question we started the message, which is, do you believe that God is with you and that he is calling you to do this? Then he can empower you to do whatever it is that he has, that he has called you to do. We see that over and over and over again in his scriptures. So we have to, we have to challenge that, the belief of that truth with the evidence of it and the, and the, way, that, the, way, that we, uh, the way that we live our lives. Yeah, just to just think through that, to incarnate into your job, your neighborhood, your circle of influence, your school, for those of you who are, uh, are, are, are teens in here in the room, what would it look like for you to, to, to go as a, as a representative of God into your school and to, to make friends and to, to share God with them? 
your family. You guys are, this holiday season, you get to hang out with your family. Sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. But once again, you are incarnating. You're, you're coming together and, and you're representing God's kingdom as his, as his child with, with your family and reconciling relationships. If those relationships are, are broken and, and reconciling trust and serving your family over and over again. And, and it just, it, it's meant to, to filter into all areas of life, um, our hobbies, all, all of that. We do it the way that God presented himself to us. And then ultimately, uh, the way that we can live this out, uh, the way that, that, that we experience uh, or that we evidence this is just through generosity. You know, we have received much, therefore we give much. I've received salvation, forgiveness of sins. I've received a, a, an inheritance in God's kingdom. And now it, it, it leads me to, to generosity, to want to give of, uh, of all of those things we talked about. And then we see that model for us in Jesus Christ, right? He was the most, he was the clearest example of God giving, of humility. And uh, we can read about it in Philippians 2. So flipping your Bibles over Philippians 2. Philippians 2, I'm going to start in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So when we, when we live in our lives, when we think about making disciples, what's our, what's our motivation? What, what do we look at? Um, this is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As you guys come and and take communion today, as you come to the tables, remember that example of humility that was set for you through Jesus Christ, through the forgiveness of sin, through the the penalty that he paid. And may that truth change the way that you interact in your relationship with God, your relationship with one another, and your relationship with the community during this holiday season. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you um, realizing who you are and what you have done, God. I thank you so much that, that you didn't just create us and then just leave us to our, to our, uh, to our own sin, our, to our, our destructive behavior, to, to, uh, to just wander through this earth alone and feeling isolated and like wandering in the dark, God. But you truly came and you dwelt with your people and you showed them how to live in relationship with you. You showed them through the law. You showed them through miraculous deliverances. You provided for us, your people, over and over again throughout the Old Testament. And then, Father, you didn't, you didn't just provide for them. You, you actually came, God. You incarnated into this earth and, and became a human being and, and lived on this earth so that we could see what it's like to live in your kingdom, so that we could have this model and this example. But so much more than that, God, you came to die so that we could find freedom from sin, that that penalty could finally be paid. And we could be in a right relationship with you. We thank you that you did that through Jesus Christ. And, and because of his obedience, you resurrected him from the grave. 
You defeated death forever. And he's seated at your right hand. And, and Father, we one day look forward to being with you, uh, Father, to, to being in your presence. So, God, this holiday season, um, may, we, may we show you, uh, Father, that, that, that truth by the way that we live our lives and with one another, the way that we give of our money and our time. Uh, Father, as you call us together, may we remember the purpose that you have for it. And, uh, so, Father, we can come before you. I boldly ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.